Everybody and welcome to a dramatic episode of Cantina MX Football Podcast. We're back with episode 310. We have just witnessed Mexico lose back-to-back World Cup qualifiers, and we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, I'm your host Jaime Landeros. Joining me tonight is Joel. Joel, let's waste no time. How are we doing? Qué Jaime. I'm doing good actually, and. And I was actually pleased with the with the final minutes of that Mex Canada game. It, it left me, gave me some hope. Not that I had lost it, but it 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 added a bit more. Yeah, for a second, I had to make sure I was watching the right game. Is this Mexico or is this? <laughs> is this oh. Chivas? <laughs> <laughs> because nothing, nothing but disappointment and frustration. Uh, from Mexico tonight, I did appreciate the little, uh, you know, the last minute never die sort of attitude, but it was a little bit too late. And honestly, I thought the most entertaining part of tonight's match was the uh, was a little scrap at the end. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely that time. Mex showed some fire. They were like zombies for a good, I'll say about. About 100, what, 60 minutes or so, where they were just not not being able to play to their, uh, you know, capabilities. And then, uh, what was it, Ache Ache with the goal. And then it seemed to bring the El Tri to life for a bit. And they had quite a few chances to have equalized the match. But I would say that that was a, you know, uh, and it's it's not consolation, but it, it was a it was a good uh, to to claw one back because um, it could go down to to goal differential, you know, uh, at least uh, depending how hard the fight will be for uh, you know to be in the top three. Because right now they're tied with Panama, but of course Mexico has the better um, record, so they're they're on third. Yeah, a lot of ship shifting has happened this round. Mexico was on top of the group with fourteen points, and uh, we'll talk about the USA match uh, a little bit later. They lose to USA, and then they lose today against Canada. So they stay stagnant at exactly 14 points while everybody else climbed up. Uh, Panama beat El Salvador 2-1 today. Uh, And obviously USA got a draw against Jamaica. Canada with the big victory. Now they're in first place with 16 points. Canada! (laughs) Yeah, they've been doing a good job. And we've been talking about them, you know. This isn't... New, they've been uh, working at this for a while now, you know, investing and and getting more teams and whatnot. And, of course, uh, you know, making that move to to co-host the World Cup. 
so this is part of that work and and you know i woke i welcome canada as one of the i hope they become one of the stronger teams because i do feel the region is lacking and needs teams that are I, I at least i'm gonna say that they could consistently stay at a good level because i would say if anything hurts the region is how inconsistent a lot of the teams can be where Honduras, for example, you know, throughout the years, they've had some really talented players. And right now they're just, I believe they're at the bottom of the table, three points in eight games, uh, you know, not indicative of what Honduras is capable of. But, but we're, you know, that's what we're seeing right now. Um, and I think that hurts the region overall where it's, has such a, you know, low image of between, you know, among fans where they, they see it as it sucks. And it's, it's because, you know, a lot of these teams, they're not able to stay consistent, at least to maintain a, a decent level, you know, of, of playing. Costa Rica did it for a couple of years. They sort of hit a slump. Uh, I'm sure they could get back on track. But the, the majority of the teams... They always, you know, they, they leave a lot to be desired. Yeah, they'll they'll be relevant for a little bit, and then they'll they'll fall back into obscurity. You know, look at Costa Rica made the quarterfinals, and and right now they only have nine points. But but you know, Costa Rica, and, and it's like I would say they're one of the teams that has been more consistent because they went to the World Cup in '90. Uh, they missed it '94, '98. When they when they go back. 2001. Was it 2006 uh, against Germany? 2000, yes, 2006. And then they went in 2014. Uh, were they even in 2018, Jaime? My memory is hazy. It was, uh, yeah, they were in it. Yeah, so there you go. They, they managed to be in a couple World Cups and, and got, you know, some good results. And just, but, but you know, it, it happens where your talent will dry up. Your generation is not as good as previous ones. And so I think that that's what they're going through. They just don't have that. But I do think they've been one of the more consistent ones right up there with, you know, Mex and the U.S. But then uh, Canada's making that strong push. So I, I do think the more we see teams that are able to maintain a, a strong level, you know, you'll see a more more competitive region. So that's your, uh, you're trying to find the silver lining in this. It's like, it's good for Mexico to have a little bit of um, competition. Well, well Jaime, Jaime, and I don't mean to cut you so quick, Yeah, but, but we do have to remind, you know, our listeners, Mex has always struggled in Canada. Is that they, right? They've never really... They've never really gone in there and, you know, whooped that ass, open a can of whoop ass. They've always had a hard time. You could go back to uh, going into qualifying to World Cup 94. You know, they had that. Hey, Abuelo Cruz had to score that goal. I think it was in the last minutes. Um, and as my memory is, again, playing tricks. But, uh, you know, they, it came down to that match for Mexico qualifying into 94 World Cup. Uh, we had the one 
the, before the hex with the Suazo, I mean, not Suazo, Bozo, El, El Oso Polar, I mm -hmm. guess he fell at home scoring that goal that put Mexico in the hex because they were going to not even make it to the hexagonal. So, yeah, throughout the years, they they have, that's one of the venues that it's been difficult for for a three to play in. Yeah, up until now, uh Canada had only ever won three times against Mexico. We have to go all the way back to the Gold Cup in 2000. So this was a very big victory for Canada. And, uh, you know, I got to give credit to whoever did the schedule because, you know, Mexico has a really tough, tough schedule. They, they this is, uh, they're going to have four away games before they, they go back home. So this is, it's been, it hasn't well, been they easy. already played two though, yeah, right? They, they, they did played play two. two. They played yeah. So two more. Uh, will they play Jamaica? Uh, Mexico. Let me see. I think their next game will be against uh, Jamaica. Yeah, and then they'll play uh, Costa Rica. Okay. See, and and I think if, if we're seeing it, they played the hard, the hardest teams out of the four. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. But they do need to take get some points there. Uh, if they could get one win out of the next two games, they'll be in good form because after that, the schedule turns in their favor. Yeah, so if you look at the remaining schedule, so I'm sorry, Mexico had three away games already. So they played El Salvador 1-2-0, then they lost against USA, and then they lost against Canada, um, and then they were going to play against Jamaica. So this is going to be four four road games in a row, and then they'll play Costa Rica at home with no fans. Oh, Okay. Which, which, as you said, Jaime, it's it's even better for Max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a blessing in disguise because you don't want to go home with this struggling team, and the the fans are against you. So this is a blessing for Tata. You know, sad as it is, that's you know it's true. You know, because the tide can turn on you. Like the, right now, I have no idea what you know the other outlets are talking about but i'm sure they're they're upset with tata and and you know they're oh they they're riding on emotion right now they want him out i'm sure they're already calling they, for his head they, yes and i was seeing some people already tweeting some uh i don't say people like you know news outlets or journalists um that he was playing his you know tata's playing his for his job you know basically another defeat and he's out and i was like I mean, are you sure you're going to sack the coach for losing two games? And of course, what they do is they do the pile on. They they they'll mix the they'll mix the um the leagues and Concacaf and and be like, no, it's it's not it's not two defeats. It's this many, like they were saying. Now uh, they've lost three times to the U.S. in five months, and <laughs> supposed to. I, I guess I'm supposed to sleep over that, uh, lose sleep over that, but. It's just exaggeration for the most part. Um, the team, of course, is not playing good. They're not looking that good. But that's basically any any team. Um, you know, not not every team is going to maintain, uh, you know. A... My, well, this is my question. Where where do we get this sense of entitlement and, and arrogance from? Is it because we've been so dominant in the region for so long that we just expect to show up and get victories? But 
mean, not even that. World Cup qualifiers yeah, you know, are, are, I mean, they're not easy. It's not like they're, you know, we're guaranteed to go in. And it's, it's the media, Jaime. I, I, I'll answer it right away. It's, it's because they do the talking points and then the people latch on to them. And what's sad is that, you know, we live in the age of information. You could Google and YouTube stuff and you could get within seconds, you could see like how, you know, you you could get a record of all the all the games and how how they played. Um, the one, the one, it was the one. Well, first there was the whole belief that Mex should just qualify walking, and La Volpe, he said, "I'm gonna do that," and he didn't struggle for during his qualifying campaign. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't. He didn't win the hexagonal. Mm-hmm. He didn't finish first place. He finished second. Oh, okay. So I mean that that should just for context for saying when Max Califico caminando, they still didn't finish first. <laughs> and, and the team that finished first when they went to the World Cup, they couldn't get out of the first round. So it's like, you know, we've said it here. Let's not can't use qualifiers. To say what's going to happen at the World Cup because it, you know, it usually doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work like that. I mean, 2014, Mexico struggled. They had to go to repesca or repechaje, whatever you want to call it. You know, people were like, "Get rid of the Europeos. These guys are trash." They get they get to Brazil and they had one of the best World Cups in in their history. You know, just uh, in terms of how they played. You know, all of their games, not just one game or two. They pretty much maintain a really good level in their four games, which is like you you really don't see that for the Mex team. They'll have like one really good game and then like an, uh, a bad one, and then it's like más o menos. And in uh, and, and in Brazil, they all all four of their games they played at a good level. Um, but see, that's it's very irrelevant and. And if we look at head-to-head results, yeah, Mexico has struggled, uh, especially playing abroad. I think one thing that that we forget as well, uh, that I think Mexico has given up the Azteca advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to get you here, Jaime, because you're thinking because of the fans. I said, no. It's, it's because it's not just the altitude. It's also the heat. And so normally they will play in the morning. They will play a Sunday game like at 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. It's blistering heat, man, plus altitude. That was the double whammy right there. Now they're playing night games, so it's easier for the visiting team. Yeah, they don't play on like Sundays at 10 a.m. anymore. What's up with that? Well, TV, it's for, you know, you could get more ratings at the, you know, at the night hour. Mm. Yeah, I for me, it's just like, look, everybody, as soon as the, you know, they make any sense of uh, things going downhill, everybody piles on on Internet, you know, Twitter, Reddit, all that. And they're like, oh, we need to fire him immediately. And this is a disaster and a catastrophe. And it's just like, yo, it's not the end of the world. We're still in a really good position to qualify. And that's the that's the name of the game. I know that there are some benefits to be uh, seeded in the World Cup. You you do have 
mathematically you're you're gonna be uh exposed yes. to easier opposition but it's not easy it's still the world cup like the best of the best qualify to the world cup and even portugal and italy right now are are on the verge of not making it they're gonna go into the playoff and see if they can if they can squeeze into the world cup and these remind you these are the two last european champions portugal and and italy so it's like it's not easy for anybody and uh this the sense of entitlement is just ridiculous man like you try playing in in a in a below zero you know it's not easy i mean everybody's gonna blame ochoa for messing up that goal it's like dude it's like playing on turf when it's like below zero you're basically playing on concrete and that that ball (laughs) like you shoot the ball and you're gonna spit it right out because it's it's like a freaking it, it, you know it's like it's so fast and hard to hold on to. Yes, yes, it hurts. And the um, only, the only part where I will give a little bit of criticism uh, on Tata's part is we have not figured out defending set pieces. It's been our you know Achilles' heel forever, and uh, the second goal was a result of that uh, a set piece. Um, just, I don't know, maybe not holding on to your marker or not paying attention, or I have no idea what happened on that goal, but, um, I think that that does deserve a little bit of criticism for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not like, um, Osorio, but he, he improved Mexico in that aspect. His set piece, um, like was pretty solid when it came to that. Uh, I believe they conceded the least amount of goals of any selection. So, uh, you know, max, max selection, I should say. Uh, yeah, that, that is solid criticism. I, I do think there's a few players that are just, you know, not bringing it for different reasons. I do think he needs to shake things up with the roster. I wouldn't go as far as to bring in Flores, the, the Arsenal kid that's tearing it up with the under 20. He's a youth. I mean, I, I don't think he's the answer. I'm not saying don't cap him or don't give him a try, but I think it shows the desperation of a lot of fans trying to bring in a kid because he's doing good in a youth tournament. Marcelo he's an Arsenal player. He's, yep. he's not playing with the first team. Uh, you know, with some of these youth, at least if they're in the first team, it's 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 a different beast between youth and and the senior team. Um, but I, it, it's good to see that he's there and hopefully he, he breaks into first team football, you know, because uh, he, he seems to be quite talented. But I don't think that's the answer. Uh, and, and we saw it already, Jaime, back when uh, there was Vela and Gio and they were pushing for these guys to come into the national team. And that's when Sven Goran Eriksson was there. and. He was, you know, bringing in these young guys and Mexico was getting, you know, that, that, that's when they struggled, you know, when they almost didn't make it into the hexagonal. Yeah. I think with people, they're looking at, hey, look, here's a problem. We haven't progressed. Let's start looking at some, you know, new ideas, some some solutions. And I don't, I don't agree with, like, Hey, you know, here's this hotshot kid doing really well in the, you know, under 17, under 20. We should just throw him out to the Lions. Like, that's not how it works. You know, Marcelo Flores does look promising. And it would have been funny to see him play against Canada because he is Canadian. Uh, his, his, <laughs> his his dad's Mexican. But, 
yeah, I mean, these are not the kind of games that you want to be throwing an unproven, you know, kid in. What I, well, I will say is it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of youth just on the bench, just for the experience and just to have that camaraderie with, you know, the, you know, cause I remember playing in high school, you know, like I was a freshman and we had a freshman team, but we were on the same bus as JV and varsity. And just having that experience, you, you, you do learn a lot. You do grow a lot. Um, and you get familiarized with, you know, the, the team and, and the organization and the senior players. And, you know, who knows, maybe they'll, you know, they might punk you or they might give you tips, but you, you learn from that experience. That's why uh, completely, completely agree, Jaime. That's why Ronaldo uh, Fenomeno, he, he went to the World Cup in uh, 94, if I'm not mistaken, but he didn't play a single minute, but just, oh, yeah. but he did go just for that experience. Yeah, they did take him. You are correct. I believe he was wearing number 19. Yeah. Yeah, he was there. He looks com- He looked completely different because he was really skinny. He was like really scrawny. Yeah, that was before the soda and all the food. <laughs> that was back when he was still no, starving in Brazil, man. The, the, the saying was that when he went to, I don't know if he was at Holland at PSV, but when he got to Europe, I think they were giving him like a, I forgot what it's called, but it, I think it's HGH or or, oh, or really? Some yeah, and and they poked him up, and this dude was like a beast. And so they're saying that's why he ended up having so many problems with his ACL, with his knee, like his ligaments, because you know he he was it was too much weight now for them to hold on to. He and weight as muscle not as you know that that came out later but because he did struggle with a bunch of like knee injuries that's right and that and Pele had made a comment about that where he was like and I think this was when Robinho was coming out Robinho or Ronaldinho but one of those two and Pele said we need to protect this guy and make sure they don't do what they did to Ronaldo it was probably Robinho and and uh, you know, and he sort of like alluded to that, to that whole thing, and it was like, yeah, it was crazy because that is something that they would give players, and I think people cut back on it. Uh, the one player that that was allowed to get it was Messi. I know, dude. That dude had like steroids in his freaking bag. They had to get. They had to put it in his Wheaties because he was going to be like 5'2 or something. So it got approved. And uh, sometimes I wonder, man, if had he not got that HGH, you know, and fucking would, would he had been as good, you know? Yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? I know that Barcelona paid for all his medical bills, so ended up panning out. Well, that's, that's what it was. It was those shots. It was shots of the... You know, growth hormone. We need, we need to start doing that to some of the some of the Mex players. You know, somehow convince get medical thing that this dude's gonna be a midget if we don't give him this. <laughs> we end up with these six foot five, you know, linebacker looking players. 
We have uh, Giovanna chatting in on YouTube. Um, shout out to her. Everybody that's uh, on YouTube right now, feel free to leave some comments. Uh, she says, we went through a first half where we had zero shots on goal. Firing, oh, that's true. Firing Tata won't fix things because Me- Mexico needs some fundamental change. I don't know what that looks like, though. There's people, you, can you believe this? There are people hoping that we don't qualify to the World Cup in order to see some change. And all that's going to do is we're just not going to go to the World Cup. Like, nothing's going <laughs> to happen, you know? It's not like there's going to be a firing from head to toe and a radical change. I, I, I don't understand people that wish, like, death on us just to just to see some change. Like, I, I really don't know what the solution is. I, but I do think that everybody's over-exaggerating. Realistically, you know, we have a much better um, schedule once we get over this hump uh, against Jamaica in January. It's going to be uh, four uh, home games. So, I mean... And that, and that would wrap up. I'm pretty sure by that, the, you know, qualification will be wrapped up. Um, and and people will forget. But it's two games. I, I think people are... are Again, because they're they're mixing it up with with the other two games, but but then sort of forgetting that Mex reached the final of of leagues and and uh, Gold Cup. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the only other team that did it was the U.S. So it's not like you have to be worrying about all these teams. Again, we we're talking about consistency. They're not very consistent. The majority of those teams are not. Uh, just those losing two games, no, no big deal. I mean, it's in. We were talking about. Ron was talking about, it, and I wish he was here because he went at it with Abramovic. Uh, what was that guy? He's the reporter. He's sort of like the guy didn't want none of it, so he he sort of raised the white flag. But but Ron made some good points. And if you see the U.S., what, three games in, they wanted to fire their coach. That's right. Because uh, they yeah. said their results were there. They were, they were <laughs> off to a very shaky start, yep. And it's just three games in. I mean, Mexico had two two games. Uh, they weren't good, but they weren't bad. I mean, we've anybody seen eliminatorias long enough in hexagonal? Mexico has had some truly bad games, like horrific ones. These weren't that bad. The U.S. one, which we'll get into it later, you know, a tale of two halves. And like Giovanna said, this one as well, like first half max, no shots. Second half, they seem to woke up all the way at the end and they could have they could have tied it, you know. So it's not a game where yeah. the max like ended up not, you know, how they say, sin pies ni cabeza, where they were completely clueless at the end. They They sort of, woke up and came really close. Uh, so I, I don't I don't really see the team being bad. I know the, the argument is they could be better. But at but at that point you need you need the players too. It's not just the coach. And and just saying putting this guy or, or that guy, that doesn't mean that it's automatically gonna be a be an improvement, which is players do hit a, a slump and, and going back to that we were making that um, comparison to 20 before the 2014 when they were, uh, uh, there was a lot of the players there that like Chicharo and a lot of these other guys, they were playing bad and they were saying, Oh, just 
leave him out. But by the by the time they played the World Cup, they all ended up having a good tournament. So that that also you have to as a coach think. Okay, do I take these guys out because they hit a slump in a couple games? Yeah. You know, so it's it's a tough call. I, I know there has to be some one or two to shake things up, but I mean, it's it's not as easy as just it's not the EA FIFA game. You just switch them up. You know, you buy a couple cards and then your team's <laughs> automatically good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look. We get a victory against Jamaica. It might be difficult, you know, because we're on the road for the fourth time. But even a win or a draw, it will be fine. I I, I think what people are fearing is uh, going into repechaje because, you know, we don't want to play against Comebol for the, you know, for, <laughs> for one of the tickets to the World Cup because, you know, Comebol right now, it's 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 a freaking dogfight. Uh, even, uh, even Uruguay's... Yeah, uh, they got, they got uh their their shit pushed in today against Bolivia. So, it's, Damn. it's it's uh you know it's not easy. It's not easy. Were they were they playing in Bolivia? Cause man, that you know they can't they be were. up in. I know the altitude out there is insane, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, La Paz, I believe, and it's 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 one. Of, it's been one of the difficult ones where. Some of the teams are crying and trying to, uh, you know, get get that venue removed, you know. Uh, but Holy and then it's shit. it. There, uh, it's can, al- it's almost twelve thousand feet above sea level. <laughs> 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 there was talk of some Argentine. I don't know if it was a club, and they said that the secret to to, I kid you not, Jaime. They said the secret to. Being able to hang in that altitude was to take some, uh, to take some of the uh, man. What are those pills? Damn, the blue pills for potency. Viagra. Oh man! Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works, but that that was true. It. it <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that exactly works, but that 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 did happen. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Uh, Bolivia had 14 home wins and 10 draws, only two away draws and no away wins. So I think Bolivia really making that home field advantage a big deal. It's It's been for them when they've had good teams, you know, mm-hmm. because they their program sort of, they've been one of the worst teams, you know, they, you know, when and you know when we see the the Conmebol team, they've been one of the, the worst ones. But every now and then, they put to to get a couple good players, and and they are, they they could turn that place into a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, right now, so uh, Concacaf, you get three guaranteed tickets to the World Cup. The fourth is a playoff spot against the fifth position. Um, I'm sorry, the sixth position, uh, Conmebol team. And who's who's six right now? I mean, right now it's Chile. Um, oh, imagine a Chile mix. Oh my god! <laughs> and so check it out: Chile, Uruguay are tied on points, so six and seven. It's just they have a better uh, away um, goal differential, and then Bolivia is right there too. 
So it's like and those are teams Mexico has beaten, but I still would not want to play them. Yeah, you, you just you just don't <laughs> even want to be in that position. So these, I mean, the next, uh, so these next uh, World Cup qualifying matches um, in January are going to be pretty. They're going to be a pretty big deal. Uh, Jamaica, and uh, then they go home uh, to play Costa Rica. So I mean, the I mean, this could make or break Mexico uh, and Tata. I mean, but here's the thing: it's like, are you really gonna, you know, say the worst case, worst case scenario happens? We end up losing against Jamaica. We end up losing against Costa Rica. Do you really think that we're gonna fire our coach like this deep into uh, qualifiers? Like, no, that's not gonna fix anything. If anything, I think that they need to just. Uh, call up different players because right now you know maybe that's what they need maybe they need a more of a domestic side than than calling players from from europe i think if if there's no i i think there is the possibility like if you say that he loses the next two games because then there will be pressure mounted and and uh and if they see that it's like uh this dude lost the team or whatnot which is similar to what happened to Chapo because he had he had a very good start with the selection, winning the and World then Cup, opened, yeah, yeah, and then his his first his first what what was it before Hex I forgot what it's called the the um the eliminatoria he made like the most points. Going into the hex, I, I think Osorio almost got there, but he he was he missed it by like one uh, to tie him. But so his record was really good up until the hex starts, and then his team started playing bad, and he couldn't get them to improve, and and he ended up getting sacked. But I mean, he lost. He did lose. He did lose at Azteca. He tied Jamaica, and then they lose to Honduras. Uh, I don't. I don't see Tata's team losing at Azteca. I, I don't. You know. I don't see them. I don't see them hitting that stump the way that um, Chepo's team did. Although Chepo's team had a couple players that that became injured and he couldn't. He couldn't use them. A couple of them that had been key key players. So I, I. He he does have that advantage. I'll say, but but just. Hypothetically, if if the team was to like just crash, shit the bed in the next two games, uh, I do think Jaime they, he could get sacked. We will probably see uh, Vasco again. He's he's already in Mexico, Bombero Vasco. <laughs> Monterrey would land him. Uh, I was looking at so uh, you're mentioning the Chepo run. Yeah, they he he won all six games in the third rounds. So he had, there is third round. Right? So he had eight. He had eighteen points, and then yeah, like you mentioned in the hex, they just shot the bed. Um, it was, it was yeah, and it will put that was part of it, Jaime, and and the people just kept blaming the tactics, but a big part of it was some of his key players got injured. Uh, you know, going it's going into that. Some of the players that had been good for him, for his tactics, and he was not able to replace them. And then there was others that just they they had a massive drop in form. And so it's it's a bad combination, man. You you some players get injured, and that's it. You won't be able to use them. And then uh, others drop in form. It it's it's a 
yeah, not 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 a good scenario. Uh, that is a bit different because you know there is the two strikers people are calling for, Bella and and uh, Chicharo, and he might have to call them up just because the goals aren't there. Yeah, they're not. And I was kind of curious, you know, because I mean, Raul had a great game. It's just he can't do it on his own, and uh, he didn't. He didn't call up any other striker to help him out. So I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't. I just don't know if it's like the right, the right team that he's he's lining up. I think Raúl Jiménez and uh, having a creative midfielder, you know, somebody like oh, I don't know. La Chofis. <laughs> I think, hey, La, I think he, La Chofis, he might. And here's the thing. He might, he's, dude. he's doing a great job. He's in form. He, he's going to be voted like the best newcomer to the MLS this season. And it's like, yo, give him a shot, man. It's, no, it's true. It sounds like a joke. And I've, and I've been one of the dudes that have been very critical. But you surround them with a team like that, you know, that with enough talent and just let trophies do be la trophies. I, I do think he he would he could you know do some damage there, man. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I think like today, man, the way the game was going, especially late in the second half, like this would have been a perfect super sub. You bring in Chicharito, and he would have he would have bagged it. He would have bagged that one goal that got taken off the line by the goalkeeper. Like, dude, he, that's his bread and butter. Like, it just. <laughs> When you have players, <laughs> when you have players like that, like at your disposal, like like use them. Like that's my point. Is like you want to bring your best, and you know he, he he had a very rough first season in the MLS, but this season he's he's made an effort. He's scoring goals, and uh, you know, would you rather have him playing Warzone or watching like an NBA game, or have him on your bench when you need a freaking it's goal, court, man? Courtside seat, man. Yeah, well, who knows, man? Let's see what happens because um, let let's see what happens there. If if they if he does make a return, I know there's gonna be a, you know, there's gonna be a strong push again to to bring him back, especially after these two defeats. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, LA's uh, season is over, so uh, he's yeah. he's not gonna be. Uh, in form for the next couple of months so I mean I don't know what his future looks like but right now it's like it would have been a great time to have uh, you know called upon some of these MLS players that I mean the season's over for them this would have been their peak Um, but you know now we're going to go into uh, the winter time and you know the MLS has a different season than than everywhere, everywhere else in the world so these guys are on vacation now Um. But yeah, it's just one of those games where Mexico could have drawn at the end, and uh, my my whole thing with like the whole fighting, like, hey, there's plenty of snow, just <laughs> turn it into a snow fight, you know, do it, gentlemen's game, you know, like they're over here trying to scrap. I'm like, dude, just just start throwing snowballs at each other. I think it would have been hilarious. It got heated. No, you know, I, I, we were talking about this uh, before the match. How for Canada it was such a big game. You know, I, I think it's sort of confirming where they're at. It's very similar. Kind of U.S. sort of very similar where they're trying to, like, you they know. Got, and they got a chip on their shoulder, you know. Well, they they do, but also Mexico, it continues to be the, 
the measuring stick. So of course, when they play them, they're gonna go, they're gonna go all out, and so and that makes those the games against Max that much more important for them. And I do think, and I did see a sense of this in both games where those teams wanted it more, you know. Yep, hundred percent agree. I think some of these Max players, they're a bit checked out. They've been around. <laughs> it just they they just don't seem to get motivated to play these teams. Uh, and it's you know, it's it's just it's that's that's why sometimes it pays to have some of the younger guys because they're more hungry. Yeah, you know, some of these older dudes they they've played this game a bunch of times. They don't they don't really care. You know, a lot of these guys going into what they're like third fourth World Cup. Yeah, I mean Guardado's on uh, looking at his what fourth. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like. When Ochoa would Ochoa would be what? He's going on is he gonna hit fifth? Mm, <laughs> he has one less than Guardado because he, he didn't go to the wait, did he go to oh. 06? I don't think he did, did he? Maybe he did. He should have gone. I mean, he might not have been the starter because he was Oswaldo, but I think he was there in the bench. Maybe you're right. Maybe he did go to 06. Um I'll, I'm checking it right now. It was Osvaldo Sanchez. Where's the other goalie? Oh, yeah, he did go to 06. No shit. So 6, 10, 14, 18. Yeah, he's going to his face. <laughs> he could go to 6. You know, it doesn't feel like it because he wasn't a starter until 2014. You know, so it's like, yeah. that's probably why we're like, well, technically he has like, you know, this will be his third as a starter, but yeah, know. and then and then it's it's going into his fifth, but times four. You know, it's almost twenty years of of him doing this selection stuff. That's why I say for some of these dudes, they sort of check out a bit, start to maintain that motivation. I know, like uh, you know, Chaka is getting his wife's getting death threats. It's really not that serious, man. <laughs> Talk about motivation. <laughs> Dude, this guy is like a big, like super positive person, wants to spread the, the, the word of like his, you know, he's very religious and, and, you know, and it's just like he's getting, his wife's getting death threats. It's like, dude, it's, it's not that serious. Like the fans Pretty are some ridiculous. Nerd. Yeah, it still sucks. See, and you know sometimes things like that it backfires you know because if his wife's worried this dude or he could be worried too his head's not gonna be in the game yeah i know you're just making it worse to be honest that's a big thing with colombia which would happen to them going into the 94 world cup they were they were um one of the favorites to win, to win the tournament. They had, you know, it was that, that team with Pibe, Asprilla, um, so just top to bottom, a, a bunch of great players. And, and um, you know, but that was around the time of um, a, a lot of the, the drug cartels and all that was, was huge in Colombia. And, and there was a lot of betting and, and whatnot, so there was a lot of pressure, and and 
they just they never really like that team never really like performed to what I feel they could have been capable of. Yeah, all that pressure got to them, all the death threats, and just knowing, you know, if, if we don't have a good outing, you know, we might die. Uh, <laughs> what that one player did, you know, Cordova. Uh, I mean, Escobar, actually, Cordova is Cordova's the goalkeeper, Oscar Cordova. Yeah, Escobar, because of the own goal. And, you know, they were saying it was a dude that had paid a lot of money um, for the Colombia to win the match against the U.S., so speaking about the U.S., Mexico uh, lost 2-0 in Ohio. And uh, I have a little note here. This win marked the first time that the U.S. has beaten Mexico three times in a calendar year with all three victories coming in an official competition. Uh, the U.S. is now 5-1-1 in home World Cup qualifying matches against Mexico since the 98 World Cup cycle and all five wins coming in the state of ohio and by two zero score lines crazy man it's their lucky charm there oh yeah and as we said max has kind of given up their their azteca advantage yeah we'll see what happens We'll have a, a, a chance to go at U.S. Uh, in March. And by then, who knows? We might, you know, things might be different. But, uh... Yeah, and, and this dude has proven to be Tata's, um... Tata's Coco. I wouldn't... You know, Soccer United Marketing likes to schedule a friendly against, you know, the U.S., and it's usually around February or even January. And if I'm FMF from Tata, I do not play it. I will not play that game. <laughs> Why? I mean, I, and I see our, our our listeners should know because I've, I've explained it why. Because U.S. always hosts a training camp. They do a month-long training camp around January. As you said before, all these MLS players aren't playing. They get a lot of them, and they host a training camp, and they just go at it for a whole month. By the time they face a three, in that one amistoso, three gets their players three days before the game. <laughs> they hold a, what, a two-day camp? Uh-oh. They bring in the strippers. They bring in the... <laughs> <laughs> and shopping, and dude, just, no, you, you, that's just bad bad like like you need to respect your rivals and i i feel that at that point accepting that and knowing you're gonna come in it's like boxing you know like when they're gonna box why why sometimes they can't agree because you have to make certain weight and and whatnot yeah it's it's very similar to that where it's like i'm not gonna go play you right now because you have that right now it's that psychological edge of you want three games and now you're going to have this extra advantage of a training camp. So I'm not, it's, you know, it's, it's the cards are stacked against Mexico. So they shouldn't, uh, if, if it does happen, I think that's, that's just a bad idea. You know, you're just gonna fan the flames. 
It's, it's a bad idea, Tattoo Bottom. It's, it's one of those you have more to lose than to win. This is a friendly. Who cares if you beat them? It's not going to get you anything. Uh, I would just wait for the big Azteca game and, you know, bring back the OG, OG Aventaja at 10 in the morning. The sun is at its highest. It's, you know, the altitude, everything, the smog is going to kick in. Yeah, I would definitely. Although, although, although this is another thing, uh, and you would have to at least I don't know, dude, bring in the America players because you do have a bunch of these players from X that aren't used to playing in Mex City. Because <laughs> they, you know, they've been in Europe so long, so they they yeah. don't affect them just the same. But you, you know, you got the players there from uh, America Cruz Azul. You, you could those guys could hang. They, they play there every week. There's, there's plenty to go around. <laughs> yeah, it was a painful defeat, you know, especially considering what happened over the over the summer, the two the two cup finals, losing them, and then this real dagger, you know, this this this, this big victory, um, and then you know Christian Pulisic scoring, and I get it, you know, it's it's not fun to be on the losing side of this. Uh, three games in a row, and you know I, I congratulate them for 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 winning. And uh, for you, for Mexico, you know they gotta they gotta do something different. They gotta they gotta switch it up because uh, USA's got them pinned, man. Yeah, well, you know, we do have to say a couple things here because it, you know I feel that there's a big disservice from from the Mex media's. They like to they just like to pile on the herd, throw the salt because that. That's what gets them ratings. That make any situation look worse than it really is. Um, two things to keep in mind of these three games: they only lost one in on in the regulation time, which was this last one, two zero. The other two ended in draws, so we have to keep that. All three games were pretty even, you know. Despite the two zero, Mex uh, US didn't didn't exactly dominate or play Mex under the table. So and and then all three games were in the U.S. Exactly. So I mean, those are some things to look at as well, you know, because you, people tend to just let let some of these facts just sweep them under the rug and act like it doesn't matter. And it does matter, you know. Having home advantage matters. Has Mexico lost three games at the Azteca? then yeah, I will be like, okay, what's going on? But it didn't. They lost in the U.S. and it's no, it's happened before, so it shouldn't be no surprise. Yeah, I think everyone just needs to relax. We have a upcoming friendly against Chile in December in Austin. Uh, We'll see if we get into that match. That's a good one. Pre- prepare for an eventual. <laughs> see, see that one. That one I do approve. So, what happens if we end up? Uh, are we going to call Piojo again to bail us out? Like, what's going to be the? No, they wouldn't call Piojo. Dude. They they call Vasco again. He's a bombero, dude. Third time's the charm. <laughs> Mm, I think Piojo would be a candidate, but I don't know, man. 
If you're Piojo, do you want to give up your cushy job at Tigres? He's making <laughs> some to, good money. You could do if he if he could do the Tuca deal, be there a good ten years. Oh man, he's gonna be living that sweet life, man. We were seeing Tuca driving a Ferrari <laughs> just just they, to go to Oxo and pick up some some soda and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like we're joking, but this fucker was driving around in a fucking Ferrari. <laughs> he even crashed into him. Remember, he got he got all pissed off. This shit's handmade, dude. <laughs> It's like when I hear it and I like think about it, I just picture him like in a Ferrari and like you know Monterrey, just like like sticking out like a sore thumb. <laughs> he's doing donuts. <laughs> he's doing. He's he's getting gas and hey, like oh he, my gosh. he'll pull up into the Tigres parking lot and just donuts. Yeah, no man, that's a, that's one of the best playing games you can get him. Don't get any better than that for Piojo. I wouldn't leave. I would pay World Cup, man. I'm not going to go for three games and then the media's going to, and the fans are going to turn me into a fucking villain. <laughs> if you guys, I'm staying over here where, you know, everything is sweet, sunshine and rainbows. Mm. No, I do, I do think uh, he would be one of the candidates and and also, um, Bosco, if people think that, you know, they're going to go after Sidan or some, some big, some other big, no, it's not, it's not happening. <laughs> it's not, there's, there's no one really right now. If, um, Me- if Mexico gonna... gets Zidane, I will shave my head like Zidane. <laughs> <laughs> and my eyebrows, bro. I will shave both. If we get, don't get Kignac to convince him. <laughs> oh man, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's the future of Mexico. I, I will say with Tata, he's done a accurate job. I don't know. It's it hasn't been as smooth as it was with Juan Juan Cambio Cesorio. Um, yeah, but and, but you know, real quick, also on that, that's the other thing that we need to keep in mind is that. Each hexagonal, well, this is called something else. Each World Cup qualifier is a bit different in this region, especially because, <clears throat> as we said, how inconsistent these teams are. So the U.S., the previous one, they were like in their low point to the to you know they were at a low point where they didn't even qualify, and they've started working and they already had some players, but they were younger, and now they're we're seeing this team, you know, the fruits of that. Same with Canada. They had already been working, and we're seeing that now. So in Panama for a, for a long time has been already investing more, and, and we talked about how Panama was sending their players and even coaches going into Colombia and bringing in also, you know, just learning from them. And they always had these – they actually have the players that are like – you know, very athletic, big, big dudes, man. And that, that helps out a lot. So every now and then it's you, you have to see how these teams are doing or how they've been working and you, you could get a good idea of how much more difficult um, it, the process is going to be. And this, this one is definitely more, the teams are more stronger than the previous one. 
I mean, even Costa Rica, look look how bad they're doing. <clears throat> Absolutely. We have Repechafe coming back, back to Liga MX. It's been a break. Santos will kick things off against Atletico San Luis at 5 p.m., followed by Puebla hosting Chivas. I know this season has been up and down and unpredictable and a bit frustrating, but how do you feel about your chances, our chances against Puebla on Saturday? Uh, I, th- I think they're... Oh. I, I know Chivas did beat, they did beat Puebla. It was the opening game, but that was under Buse. This is not Leaño's team. Mm, I don't know, man. This team, um, team hasn't really seen. I haven't seen like an improvement where I would have said, okay, they did a good thing firing Buse because look how much better the team is playing. I just, I don't see it. So I don't, I don't really know, man. I know Puebla is not. Yeah, they, they don't have, they don't have so, many anymore. So we don't have to worry yeah, about that. Yeah, they, they let go of some of their dudes. So there is, there's a team that, that's, Beatable, um, I, but I don't know, man. I don't know. It's tricky sometimes when you have a coach. It's a rookie coach. He could shit the bed, <laughs> you know. That's the thing, and it's it's um. Is this the one offer pechaje, Jaime? It's just a one and done. It? There's there's no yeah. There's no return leg. And, it's just one. And, and that's the other thing. So. I do think uh, it's a good chance the Puebla bounces them off. Um, and I think they already, I, I, you know, they already announced that Leaño is staying. And so I do feel that there might be some players coming in, whoever is funding that guy. I think they, they you know, they're, they're putting their money where, the, where their mouth is. But I mean, I don't really care. <laughs> As a Chivas fan, I don't really care, man. This team's not. I, I just they don't have it, you know. I, I don't. I don't see them going far, anyways. Yeah, if memory serves me correct, the first time they did this uh, repechaje, uh, they beat Necaxa uh, in in a one done game, and then that's the that's the run where they ended up um, going all the way to the semis against. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, and losing to the sem- losing in the semis because they 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 beat America. Leon right they beat America and then they lost to Leon yes and then yes, and that was that was the, good old Buse that Chiva fans and then the, turned again yeah and then last season <laughs> uh, they go to Repechaje against Pachuca and they end up losing so it was just like you know so far we're we're, we're one and one in these, in these do do or die games what I can say is. Uh, luckily for Chivas, uh, none of their players were called for international duty. So we're looking at a well-rested squad, uh, going into this match. And I think that was one thing that was kind of holding Chivas back. You know, we had well, Ale- and, Alexis and, Vega dealing with injuries and I think the team was just tired. So, and is he, and that's going to bring him up. Is he, is he recovered? Because I feel that he's don't know. right now the difference. See that's and that's hurting Chivas as well right now. I do think next season and if JJ Mack returns, and then uh, Vega gets in good form, 
Uh, I do think if if there's, I feel there's some money coming in, probably through the Leano Akron connection. Um, they could bring two, three players. I do think Chivas has will be more competitive. Uh, right now, if any edge I gave to Chivas was all on Buse. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe Leano will surprise me. He does have Minotti. On speed dial, so. <laughs> but even then, Renati seems to have checked out like years ago, man. He's like Mr. Magoo. I don't. He, he's like. <laughs> I think he sees shit. You know, he's he's looking at the TV and it's like blurry lines. It's <laughs> uh, just smoking and just. So I don't. I don't know, man. I I don't. I'm not big on Leano, man. Yeah. We also have uh, games on Sunday. Toluca will play against Pumas. That should be a very good one. And then Cruz Azul versus Monterrey. Uh, those are a little bit harder to predict. I think I think Santos will be Atlético San Luis. Um, but Toluca, Pumas, I mean, I think Toluca were in better form. Uh, yeah. And then Cruz Azul, Monterrey. I mean, that's like you can well, you can well, well, Jaime, Jaime, Toluca were in better form. But and this is something you've said before, the teams that catch fire going into yeah Liguilla usually do good, and that's that's been Pumas. They beat uh, Cruz Azul four uh, <laughs> three on the last game of the season. So yeah, yeah, their last games they they sort of turned it up. They found their inner beast, and they came out swinging. Um, so yeah, Pumas might might ruin uh, Cristante's return. Yeah, actually, you, you did bring up a good point. I'm trying to find the last time Duluca won. It's been a minute, so. Uh, yeah, because they started really good. We, they did. We were talking about how their coach, well, I was surprised too, because, you know, they brought him back and and they were just having a really great season. I think at one point they were even top, top of the table. Yeah, they were like neck and neck, and then I don't know what happened, man. They just sort of, they went through a slump. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to hit it going into Liguilla. That's the worst. I think their last victory was against America in match week nine. So, oh wow! Wait, let me double check. Cause yeah, man, they have not <laughs> won since. So we're talking about almost half the tournament that they. they... <laughs> They haven't been able to. They have, yeah. They just, they just gave up. I'm, a, I'm gonna give this one to Pumas, and I'm happy for Liliani, and and I'm glad Pumas stuck by him because, you know, oh, some yeah. people were saying that he was smoking mirrors. You know, he takes over the team. He was there as a, just like as a trainer, and he became the interim coach, and then did an awesome job when he, um. Pumas actually, they had the Spaniard guy who who left because he wanted to be with his mom during COVID. What's the dude's name? Oh, Hemes? Uh, no. Michel, no. was it? No. No, man. Hemes. That was, that was Cruz Azul. Azul. My bad. I think it was Michel. Michel. He was former Real. Yeah, he was. He was, uh, he was Pumas coach. <clears throat> And he's like, oh, he's like a Tafe now. Well, he left because during the COVID thing, 
or some something around that time. We said something about his mom, and he leaves like preseason or something. And Liliani just takes up, you know, he's like, "I'll do it." He goes on the hot seat. He'd been around for a while as coach, but not as a not as the main coach. Oh. And he does a fantastic job. Takes them all the way to the final. You know, they were one of the better teams. They they lose to Leon. Um, but they were just a really good team. And then <laughs> and then Pumas just dismantles his team, you know, and takes apart his car, man. And Pumas has sucked since, but he's he's got them back. You know, they're all bandaged up and taped up and he, he got them he got them back in there. So I, I think I'm glad that at least they they didn't, you know. Normally, they'll just blame the coach. It's like, yeah, we sold all these players, but it is the coach's fault. Yeah. So what about Cruz Azul Monterrey, the current champions? And then you have Aguirre, who's got a chip on his shoulder, you know? He did win. There's a thing about Aguirre. Old Wolf knows his shit. You know, he bested Solari, America, and America. We had to give it up for them. I know there was... We were saying how ridiculous it seems for some of their fans to be complaining. I believe they just broke the record for most points that they had. I think on their Piojo. And I think with Solari now they broke they broke that, that record of most points in a That's crazy. short season. And it's like, hey, you're saying that dude sucks. We can't trade for Leano. You 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 wanna see hurt. You want to see real pain? <laughs> I'm, I'm like Bane. You, you, you merely adopted it. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> like, I didn't even see a Ligia tell us a grown man. Um, <laughs> no, not a Ligia. A, a first place finish. I'm going to say that. But yeah, dude. I think Aguirre, he, he has a few tricks up his sleeve. Um, it will be disappointing if if he does fail, though, because he's, like, the highest paid and much more is expected of that Monterrey team. But he did already add a silverware to their, to their vitrina. Um, that is definitely going to be a one to watch, you know, two strong teams going at it. Two good coaches. I would say, though, that Aguirre should have, you know, an edge over um, Reynoso. Yeah. So we'll see. It's interesting. I actually want to do see that game. I think that could be one one to watch. And if they do make it in there, you know, mm-hmm. I would say whichever team, you know, they could it will easily be a dark horse. I would... I would Leave Ame as favorites, and then um, one of these two as dark horse, and then Tigres as well has to be one of the one of the favorites as well. But I'll say that well, we see the difference between like say Tigres America is that Solari's been at America a bit longer, knows his team a bit better, and and this is Piojo's first run with that club. He's still, you know. Still getting a feel for them. 
Yeah, I think once we get past these uh, four matches for Repechaje, we can start to see how things shape up and the matchups for, uh, you know, go from 12 to eight teams. But, I, I mean, I said it plenty of times this, this season. You know, America, I mean, they're, it's, it's their tournament to lose. I really do think that they're, they're the most consistent team. Soldati's got them playing some great football, and uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see if they can, if somebody can upset them. Uh, Atlas, I think they've. <laughs> I don't. I don't expect them to do much. Oh man, I forgot about Atlas. Yeah, man, they're in second place. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, no, and actually, even though I am Chiba fan, I'm still. I'm glad for Atlas. I think. Uh, and I was expecting this, as you know, Grupo Legi, they, they have their winning recipe, and there's no reason why it shouldn't work with Atlas. And it, I do think they're gonna they're gonna be giving Chivas a run for their money pretty soon, just because it's much easier for you know when when you could bring in extranjeros to 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 build or rebuild a squad, and Chivas is just having such a difficult time bringing in players. <clears throat> Which I was going to say, I, I do feel that what's going on with Chivas is going to happen or is happening with the Selección. Where, and it all goes down to the whole, you know, Mex, Mex decided to double up on Estranjeros. So they go from like 60 to 120. This, this doesn't mean there's 60 extra players. It means that there's 60x less Mexican players. And, and we're seeing that where... Players that would have been around that might have gotten a chance, like like Cormeño, right? We we went through his career how Puebla ended up just using him because they needed him, and he ended up blowing up to the point where he's he got called up to per- Peruvian national team. Yep. And this is a guy that up until twenty five years old, he only had what Jaime like twenty games maybe in yeah. first division. I mean, so we're really not going to see that many players like that, which it, it, we shouldn't. But I mean, it makes it more difficult for for some players. And and I I like to give this example a lot. It's Moncho Morales. He, you know, everybody knows Moncho. He had great career and he was always tops with the selección. Well, this dude was at Monterrey as a bench. He was just like they just had him there. And Chivas got him from Monterrey as as a reserve. They they weren't thinking of him as a he's gonna be one of our main players. They were just they brought him into cover. And and you know, you and he ended up just blowing up because he came to the right team with the right tactics for him. But you're not gonna see it like that now. It's harder to to have something like that just because it's it's if there was like three or four Dudes on the bench that were Mexican, now they're extranjeros. So for Chivas, you're not going to see that. And for the Mex team, Selección, that means even less players. You know, less less players to to juggle around. Yeah, looking at his trajectory, uh, Mocho Morales started at La Piedad and went to Monterrey. And his transfer to Chivas wasn't until he was 24. So, I mean... He was already, you know, over the hump, um, <laughs> barely getting his, you know, established in the league. So, well, and at 24, you should already be a starter. Yeah. You shouldn't be, like, on your third team trying to trying to win a spot. 
that happens when you're younger, you know, by 24, you're already like a commodity. Yeah. Development in Mexico has always been kind of slow like that, though. I mean, there's very, very, very rare, like, you know, you look at Guardado and Ochoa getting their debuts and, and being undisputed starters like that doesn't that doesn't always happen. Those are very like rare, rare case scenarios. It is, and it shouldn't be because there's so many examples like that of they played at the younger age and they did so well. You would think teams would be more like, you know what? Of course, we could have more guardados, more Ochoas, even Rafa Marquez because he he was at the young age. He was already playing, um, you know. But it's it's like the opposite. It's like no matter how many talent comes out, they don't have faith in it. So we were talking about Marcelo Flores and big reason is, uh, for those that don't know, because I didn't even know until like two days ago or three, that Mexico was hosting a Revelations Cup. That's right. Because they invited a, they they did a tournament. I think, are they hosting it or did, did they yeah, just come up it. with the tournament? No, no, because is this like a FIFA, like, did, did they just make up the tournament or what? What's going on? Do you know? Uh, let's see. It was organized by FMF. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but they invited teams. They invited Brazil, the U.S. Colombia. I don't know what Colombia and uh, Mexico won. They they won it. They're the they won the cup. They beat Brazil and then they beat the U.S. today. They beat them two to one and Flores scored in those two games. I don't know if he scored in any games previous to that. But that's why he's he's trending. But, I mean, we're seeing some talent there, and we've seen it before, under 17 and whatnot. But then when they go back to Mex, they get buried in the youth teams. They don't really put them in the first division teams. And I think that's that's what hurts a lot, the, the league and, and the national team as well. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, not a bad idea. And uh, yeah, I mean, we got to see Marcelo Flores like kill it, and uh, he's starting to starting to get some some eyeballs on him. Yeah. So I mean, that's pretty much episode three ten as far as what happened and what's going to happen this weekend. Do you have any closing thoughts before we? put a bow tie on this yes i'm gonna say for for all the for the three three hermanos they're losing the faith and i know there's been a lot of trolling going on a lot of the the media saying how uh u.s already surpassed uh you know mexico and it's we've we've heard that tale before i just say don't don't get wrapped up on that it takes more than losing head-to-head games to be surpassed. If we use that logic, then Mexico surpassed Brazil a while back. Because we went through a, you know, through a period where Mexico, you know, beat Brazil, Confederaciones. They beat them in a couple finals. Gold Cup. That doesn't mean that. Yeah, that didn't that Olympics. didn't make <laughs> that didn't make Mexico better than Brazil. Um, it made them better, perhaps in head-to-head matchups, but not overall better you know 
the end of the day, they went to the World Cup. Brazil was more likely to bring it home. Um, and that's very similar here going on with the U.S. U.S. might be, have, have Mexico's number, but until they're winning more at the international stage, until they're doing better at the international stage, winning an Olympics, winning those youth tournaments, uh, you know, putting the better performances at the World Cup, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving up the whole saying, oh, they're, they're the new giants or they're this or that. I think uh, the media is really easy to relinquish that crown. It's like they just lose once and, oh, there, here you go. <laughs> it's like, no, man. There's this big shiny vitrina here filled with gold. You, you need to... You need to equal that or surpass it before you can wear the crown. That's that's gonna be my closing thoughts, Jaime. Oh, and I wanted to know your your prediction on Cruz Azul Monterrey. Uh you know, I'm gonna <coughs> I'm gonna give it to Monterrey. I think Aguirre um, has a lot more to prove this season than Cruz Azul, you know, I think Cruz Azul got, they finally got that monkey off their back and they're like, all right, cool, you know. Um, but they are the defending champions, so you, you got to give them a little bit of credit. Uh, well, I will also say that, you know, if you look at the two squads, you know, uh, Orbelin Pineda got some action today. You had uh, Luis Romo had action the other day. So, you know, these players are not going to be 100% fit for uh, for that match. Whereas with um, Rayados, I think only uh, ah, I think good points. I think Gallardo was the only one that that actually got minutes. Uh, Funes Mori was not; he didn't get any action. Charlie didn't get any action. So, yeah, I I, I think that going into uh, Sunday, I I, I got to give it to Rayados. And if you know if things go as planned, you know, say say Chivas do beat. Uh, Puebla, they are the tenth seed. Chivas are the tenth seed, so they could potentially play against either America or Atlas if they get oh, past. Because yeah. it's you're going against number one or number two. You know, since they're ranked so low, uh, one or two will Oof. be will be against the lowest ranked seed that's left. So that would be that would be Chivas, unless uh, Atlético San Luis and and Pumas. Uh, get some victories. So we'll we'll see. We'll right. see what it what it how. But you you how, know that televisoras will be will be hoping that yeah. for that Chivas win because that's Chivas is ratings gold. Yeah. No matter how bad they are, they're they're still ratings gold, man. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think everybody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see America versus uh, San Luis or Atlas versus. Puebla. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's like. You know, if Chivas can get through through Saturday, uh, they'll at least get guaranteed two two more games, and uh, and you know. Oh uh, yeah. So just hearing that, Jaime, if I'm FMF, I I throw in Santander there as a ref. <laughs> <laughs> Couple calls their favor, a penalty and here. Our MVP, you know, red red card there. <laughs> yeah. What I man, I will say this now that you mention it, the refereeing uh, today was really, really bad in the Mexico-Canada game. You cannot allow uh, uh, shit like that to go. Like, there was a few plays. I'm like, I'm waiting for the yellow card to come out. Like, there was a breakaway from Canada, and Gallardo just literally grabbed this guy by the collar 
And oh, uh, he did. And, and the referee was like, referee didn't say anything. I'm like, dude, you're going to, the problem when you do that is okay. Now he's got a chip on his shoulder. The players have like that, you know, that animosity towards each other. And now at the next play where there's like something happens, there's going to be a fight and that's exactly what happened. So I think the referee yeah, and you know what? didn't know what to do. That was, that play was yellow card and you don't whistle it because the player managed to get away. Right, and so he was still possession, and yeah, the they still had an oppor- mm-hmm. had an opportunity to create a goal or a goal scoring chance, but but after the once the play ends, he could uh, bring the player and card him, and I think that's where he failed. Yeah, <clears throat> and then after the yeah, ma- after the match, he just kind of lets the lets the the teams go at it. He didn't really intervene, so I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just one of those things. Oh boy, we talked a lot about a lot today. It was a a lot a lot of emotions for everybody online. Um, one piece of advice for everyone that's listening, uh, specifically to the uh, Liga Mekis uh, Reddit community, uh, just don't hop on the keyboard and talk with your emotion, man. Like, take a chill pill. You know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it hurts to lose these matches, but Mexico's still on pace to qualify to guitar and that's all that matters because it's a completely different ball game once you get in and the goal is just to get in um it is and yeah. and once they get there it's a different tournament and also this isn't really bad i mean you haven't seen bad if if you think this is mexico playing bad uh no they've been much much worse i do want to give uh, a shout out to the british invasion we had a uh, Q and A on the on the Spotify. Who's your favorite club? He said Atlas, and we also had uh, Pedrito say that his favorite club is Los Bravos de Juarez. So uh, I appreciate your guys' responses on Spotify. We do have a Q and A there, and we also have a poll every episode. So make sure to participate uh, on the Spotify uh, episode of uh, Three Ten. And with that. I hope everybody has a good night. Make sure to watch the Repechaje matches this weekend. uh, And we'll catch you on the next one.